Let's go to Psalms 85 tonight. Psalms 85 in your Bible. Psalms 85. And uh, Brother Gravely, <clears throat> when he asked me to fill in for him, asked, asked me to preach, uh, he said that, you know, today was going to be uh, Red, White, and Blue Sunday or Stars and Stripes Sunday. And uh, that would, of course, have a uh, patriotic theme. And I think this would fit just right in with all of that. Psalms 85. And uh, when you find your place in your Bible tonight, let's stand together and look at Psalms 85. We'll read all verses of a chapter, not that long. Psalms 85. And uh, look at verse number 1, if you will. Psalms 85 and uh, verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. 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 Psalms 85 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Lord... Thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins, Salah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. And turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? And show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. And surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before Him, and shall set us in the way of His steps. Thank you for standing with us. You can be seated. Let's pray, and then we'll look into the Word of God tonight. Father, we thank You, Lord, for the opportunity and the privilege, Lord, that we have, God, to be in Your house. Lord, we're thankful, God, for salvation tonight. God, we're thankful, Lord, God, that we know and understand what it is, Lord, to be passed from death unto life. Lord, we're thankful, God, for the day, Lord, that you dealt with our heart. God, that you drew us to yourself, Lord, with cords of love. God, that you, Lord, let us put our faith and our trust in you. Let us repent. God, realize that Jesus Christ was the only way. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for that day, that Sunday morning, Lord, that you saved me. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for your faithfulness. God, every step of the way, Lord. And I'm thankful, Lord, the same grace that saved us, Lord, is the same grace, Lord, that guides us and protects us and, Lord, keeps us, Lord, in this way. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'd touch each one that's here tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'd stir in our hearts. Lord, that you'd touch us. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd, Lord, allow us to be helped tonight, Lord, from the Word of God. Lord, that's the only hope for America. That's the only hope, Lord, for our lives is this King James Bible. Lord, in the preaching of it, and I pray, Lord, that you'd help us tonight. Lord, if they be one, Lord, here tonight, Lord, lost without you. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd save them, Lord, before it's everlasting too late. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you'd revive your church, have your will and way. Lord, touch us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. If we look to the text tonight, Psalm chapter number 85, we know that this is a psalm uh, of David, and David is writing this psalm, and this uh, psalm was written here, <clears throat> or excuse me, this psalm uh, was written after the time uh, of the captivity. It's not a psalm of David, but it was written in the time uh, of the return of the captivity. And what had happened 
is the people of God that had gone away from gone away to Babylon. Uh, a lot of that Babylonian lifestyle had been ingrained in their life. They had gotten used to it. And boy, if you think about the America that you and I live in today, she is not the America that our forefathers had in mind. I don't believe that at all. And uh, what happens is people go along in life and they go uh, down through the years and one generation kind of lets off of some things and kind of gets slack on some things. And what uh, this generation does in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. Amen. And so you can see that progression down through human history and other kingdoms have fallen and other empires have fallen and uh, brother if we're not careful America uh, will wind up the same way amen this is the land that I love and I am proud to be an American but the fact of the matter is uh, some of the freedoms that we have and some of the blessings that we have and in, in certain ways have become a curse to us uh, because the, the generation that is coming along does not know how to appreciate it they did not have to do anything to earn it. They are not having to shed their blood to keep it. Amen. And they want everything handed to them. And brother, it's no secret when we look to the Bible and we look in this mirror that God gives us and we can see our own face in it and see our own life in it. Amen. We can see the America that we live in today. Now it's no, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist or a person with a whole lot of education uh, to understand and to see and to get a grasp on the fact that we stand in need of revival. Amen? And what I'm talking about, listen, is not some emotional stir. It's not something that we just need to drum up and work up. But what we stand in need of in this day and hour is a true, divine, and holy work of God. Amen? And that's only going to come through the Bible. That'll only come through the Holy Ghost. Amen? That'll only come through repentance. And thank God we can still have revival in this day. You know, I'm not an expert on revival. I don't think I've ever really seen real heaven sent revival that we read about and uh, that the forefathers of our faith have experienced. Some people act like they're a, a uh, authority on the matter. Some people say God's done with America and He'll not send revival again. Some people say that we can only have revival on the church level and other people say, you know, really you can only have revival on the family level and some even go further than that and say, really you can only have revival on the personal level but I'm not an expert on it and I don't think you are either but the best I can tell from reading this Bible is through every dispensation Jesus Christ God has made himself available to mankind and he's laid this promise out for us if you do I will amen he said if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways he said I'll hear from heaven and he said I'll Heal, heal their land. Amen. And I believe that same promise is extended to our generation. If we will, He will. Amen. If we'll get serious about revival, God will get serious about revival. If we'll get serious about the prayer closet, God will get serious about the prayer closet. Leonard Ravenhill said this when it comes to praying for revival. He said, if you mean business, God means business. Amen. And what we need to do is just chunk our pride, chunk our uh, 
ideology and human philosophy and, and stay away from the crowd that would try to drum it up or create some kind of emotional stir and get back to the Bible, get back to the basics, get back to repentance, get back to faith and just try to labor and pray and seek God for an old-fashioned revival. Amen. We can have revival again. The psalmist asked the question in verse number 6. He said, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? When we look at this psalm, there are several things that God is doing. There are several attributes that the Lord is doing when it comes to His people. And number one, we see the Lord is extending His favor. Amen. Verse number 1 says this, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Amen. When you think about that tonight, what's the reason uh, that the people of God went into captivity in the first place? It's because they had turned their back on the precepts of the Word of God. It's because they had turned to idols, turned away from the living God, and God said, all right, you want idolatry? You want to live the way you want to live? And what He did is He gave them exactly what they wanted and he immersed them in a land that was just abundant with idolatry. He immersed them in that Babylonian captivity and that Babylonian lifestyle. Brother Gravely has been preaching through the book of Daniel and that's a perfect illustration and a perfect picture of exactly what was going on during that time of captivity. These people had been taken from Israel, taken from Jerusalem. They had been pushed into a foreign land. Their names were changed. There were different ideologies being pushed into them. And boy, isn't that a picture of the hour and the days that we're living in today? Hey, the devil doesn't like what we're doing. The world sure doesn't like what they're do- what we're doing. And what he would love more than anything else is to try to change our identity, change who we are, erase our history, not only as Americans but as God's people and deny us of the blessings of living for Almighty God. Amen. But thank God we can stand up as preacher uh, preached this morning and we can have revival. So we see the Lord's favor. God had been favorable unto His people and He brought back the captivity of Jacob. God looked at the midst of their captivity. He looked when they were in Babylon. He saw uh, the judgment that He was pouring out on them. But in the midst of that judgment, God still had mercy. Amen. And God was favorable to His people. Just as God has been favorable to His people, but God has smiled on and favored America, hasn't He? I'm telling you, God has blessed our nation probably more than any other nation that's ever been. Amen. And He's been so good to us. And it's nothing more than just the favor of God. Uh, We have the freedom and the liberty that we have today because God has smiled upon us and given us that freedom. So we see the Lord's favor, but then we see the Lord's forgiveness. Amen. Verse number 2 says this, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins. Salah. Now verse number 2 tells us this. Verse number 1 speaks of the favor of God. But verse number 2 speaks of the forgiveness of God. He said verse number 2. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Amen. And I'm glad, thank God, that I can relate with that tonight. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. Been justified and been redeemed. And I want to say this tonight. It's good that we're Americans. It's good uh, that we... So 
uh, you know, we stand for uh, the Star Spangled Banner and the National Anthem and all that kind of stuff. And it's good that we're an American. Uh, but I want to say this tonight. Just because we're an American, amen, and just because we've been born into a favorable nation, that don't mean you're going to heaven tonight, amen. That don't mean that you're in any kind of right standing with God. I want to say this. It's still the blood tonight, amen. It's still Calvary. It's still Jesus Christ, amen. That's how you find forgiveness, amen. It's not about where you've been born. It's not about who you associate with or who you hang out with, amen. It's still through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and I that that forgiveness is given, that iniquities are washed away, that transgressions are forgiven. It's still through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. He talks about their sin being covered in verse number 2. So we find the Lord's favor. Then we see the Lord's forgiveness. But then we see the Lord's fury. Verse number 3 tells us this. It says, Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. He said in verse number 4, Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? You know, we have to ask the question tonight, is God angry with America? Is God angry with our nation? I want to show you something. If you'll read Romans chapter number 1, that answers that question very well tonight. Amen. Because we're guilty of the, a lot of the abominations as a nation and a lot of the things that are listed uh, in, in uh, Romans chapter number 1. Hey, people are disobedient to their parents. The generation that's coming up behind us has absolutely no respect for authority. It was mentioned this morning about burning the flags and now they're calling for riots toward the White House and toward the President. Hey, listen. Listen, friend, if Obama was in office, they'd be calling people racist doing that, amen. But because of who's in now, and I know he's not God, and I know he's not our Savior, but thank God he's at least got backbone enough to stand up for what's right and do right things right. He's not going to make all the right decisions, but what we ought to do is pray, and we ought to labor together and try to do something for the honor and glory of God with the mercy that's been extended to us, amen. Because the fact of the matter is... Verses 3 through 5 tell us that God is very angry and God was mad at His people for their idolatry. Listen, they had given their children over to the gods of Molech. Amen. Uh, We're guilty of abortion today. Amen. Uh, They were guilty of homosexual lifestyles back in this day. Hey, that's being promoted and it's being flaunted like never before. Hey, and by the way, there's no such thing as gay pride, friend. Amen. Uh, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Amen. But the Bible tells us that that is an abomination. Amen. It's an abomination uh, for two men to have that kind of affection toward uh, one another and two women to have that kind of affection toward one another. And listen, that is not an alternative lifestyle. That is sick and it's nasty and those people have a sickness and it's called sin tonight. Amen. And they call us bigots and everything else for wanting to try to stand against that but the word of God will always stand friend amen and so God is exercising his wrath and God is pouring out uh, his wrath on that generation and brother if we're not careful that's exactly what's going to happen to our nation amen we come and we find in verse number 6 a question that the psalmist asked he said in verse number 5 wilt thou be angry with us forever 
Will thou draw out thine anger to all generations? But then he said this in verse number 6, and this is where his hope lied, I believe. He said, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Amen. Verse number 6, we find a plea. He said, Wilt thou not? It's as he looked up to heaven and he said, God, how long is this going to take place? How long is your anger going to be poured out? And he looked to God with his plea and he said, Will thou not? Amen. And then he said, Revive us again. Hallelujah. So thank God we see the plea. Amen. And then we see the people. Amen. He said, Revive us, the people of God. And listen, God, I believe more than anything else, wants to tabernacle and dwell with his people. I believe that like the songwriter said, when we walk hand in hand with Jesus, listen, there's no better way and no better life than to walk hand in hand with Jesus Christ tonight. Amen. We see the plea for revival and then we see uh, the people of revival. Amen. But then we see the purpose of revival. The latter part of verse number 6 says this. He said that thy people may rejoice in thee. Amen. Listen, you ever get uh, something caught in the cog or you uh, get something uh, in the middle of your fellowship with the Lord and boy there's just not joy like there's supposed to be amen that you can tell that the channel is not clear and the fellowship the way of fellowship is not clean and you don't have a direct connection now listen there's not a thing in the world that can change your relationship amen you get saved you're his child but there are things that can hinder our fellowship and listen, he said in verse number 6, he said that thy people may rejoice in thee. Listen, when we come to church, we ought to not just do it out of obligation, but there ought to be joy in it. Amen. When we pass out a track, we, know we ought to not do it because we're just afraid that God may judge us for not doing it. And we may uh, not do those things because we're scared just of being disobedient. But we ought to do those things with joy in our heart and rejoice in the Lord every step of the way. And when we're walking hand in hand with Jesus and walking like we're supposed to, and when we get revived... Thank God there's joy and there's rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. True revival will always bring rejoicing. Amen. In this verse number 6, Wilt thou not revive us again? I just want to lift that phrase tonight and just preach that for you. Revive us again. Amen. I've already told you, listen, I'm not an authority on what revival is, but I want it tonight. Amen. I may not be an authority, but I'm a good candidate for it. Hallelujah. And so we, with the Lord's help, we just want to uh, lift up that text and just preach on the thought and the subject. Revive us again. Amen. Revive us again. Vance Havner, that great preacher, uh, if you preachers have any of his books you know that he was great for quotes and great for one liners and Vance Havner said this he said revival is simply this it's falling in love with Jesus all over again amen you read in the book of the revelation that those letters were given to those seven churches of Asia and Jesus Christ himself he said this he said behold he said I stand at the door and knock amen if any, any man will open unto me he said I'll come in unto him 
come and I'll sup with him. Amen. A lot of times we use that verse for evangelism and there's nothing wrong with that, friend. Uh, But Jesus Christ was talking to you and me. Amen. He was talking to the church and the sad fact is is that's a picture of the day we're living in. Jesus Christ is on the outside of his own church and he's knocking on the door uh, trying to get in. But people have shut him out with formalism. They shut him out with emotionalism. They shut him out with a timetable and a program. Amen. Uh, But Jesus Christ, uh, he's standing on the outside of a door. You say, preacher, why is that? Uh, Because he longs for your fellowship and longs for your companionship. And he wants to walk with you and talk with you and tell you that you're his own. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad we've got a church that ain't afraid to worship. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, preacher, you know, he, he does things decently in order like the Bible says, but I'm glad when Jesus starts knocking on the door, he'll open up the door and he'll get out of the way, amen, and thank God for those services when it just gets out of the bank. I know you can't live like that all the time. I know you can't live on the mountaintop all the time. You've got to spend some times in the valley. Oh, but thank God when the breeze of heaven starts blowing, thank God for a man of God, and thank God for a shepherd uh, that'll open up the door uh, and say Lord come on in uh, uh, this is your house uh, uh, we're your people uh, and you're welcome here amen and thank God he'll open up the door and let the Lord have his way in the services hallelujah amen revive us again I don't know about you tonight but I need revival amen I need a touch from God but sometimes those embers die down but sometimes my heart just gets dry and it just gets depleted of all kinds of moisture and boy you get cold and indifferent but thank God for when the rain comes amen thank God for when the wind begins to blow Uh, thank God for when the fire uh, gets rekindled tonight amen Uh, and our joy is restored uh, and there's rejoicing when it comes to our relationship with God amen revive us again well when we look to this text number one we see this we see the principles of revival the principles of revival look what the Bible has to say in verse number 11 or excuse me verse number 10 The Bible says this in verse number 10, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Now when you think about that tonight, that word, (coughs) that word uh, kissed, that word kissed is a very interesting word uh, in the Hebrew tonight. And we're talking about mercy and truth. We're talking about the principles of revival. Verse number 10 tells us this, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Now when you think about the characteristics of God, put your mind in the Old Testament. Put your mind in that Old Testament economy. That Old Testament economy was this. It was truth. It was judgment. It was law. Amen. And so you've got mercy on one side. Mercy and compassion. And then on the other side, you've got truth and righteousness and holiness and judgment. And here comes this individual. They're a sinner uh, without God, foreign from the things of God. And mercy looks at him and says, well, let's have compassion on him. You know, God is love. Amen. But truth steps up and says, hold on a minute. God is love, uh, but God is light. Amen. And mercy talks back and mercy speaks up and says this. You know, uh, uh, 
in mercy uh, cries out for love uh, and cries out uh, for redemption. Uh, but then truth uh, steps right back up and says, well, uh, you can't have those things uh, uh, without God being just. Amen. And with God being just, uh, uh, God looks to this individual and he sees him in his sin and judgment is sure to follow. Amen. And these two, they're constantly uh, going back and forth. Uh, uh, they can't ever agree. Amen. Uh, but when Jesus Christ went to Calvary, uh, he took mercy in one hand and he took truth in the other and thank God he brought them together and mercy and truth are met together. Peace and righteousness. Uh, uh, they gave each other a kiss uh, and they were joined together like never before. Uh, and I'm glad, thank God, uh, uh, when Jesus went to Calvary, uh, he did it with love, uh, but he never compromised the law, amen. Uh, and he did it through the law uh, and he never had to compromise his love uh, uh, to bring a sinner to himself. Uh, and now because of that, uh, I can walk in the law of his love, his love, amen. Uh, I can walk in the word of God uh, and the principles and the precepts of the Bible uh, because Jesus loves me and he's empowered me to do it through his righteousness, amen. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. You know, if you look at the cults of today, the cults of today are, are one or the other. The false religions of this world are, are one or the other. They're never two met together. There's a lot of false religions. They're all just mercy. Buddhism teaches that you are to be compassionate, that you're to love everyone, that you're to do good to all and do harm to none. Amen. And it's a, 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 a religion of mercy, 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 love, 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 love. But yet there's no real truth in that. But then you go to the, uh, the legalistic systems of this world, the Jehovah's Witness. Do, 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 do. Knock on doors. You have no real assurance. Just hope that you'll do everything you can and then someday it'll all pan out and you'll inherit the earth and everything. It's all going to turn out all right. We have no real assurance of that. But listen, friend, if that's the kind of assurance that I had, I'd find me something else, amen. But thank God through the true gospel and through Christianity tonight, mercy and compassion have met together with truth and law and it creates a wonderful walk with the Lord. Amen. Uh, you can have truth uh, and you can have mercy together only through Jesus Christ. Amen. And that same principle that brings us to Jesus Christ is the same principle that we find in revival. Amen. Whenever man walks in sin and whenever man walks in disobedience does God have mercy absolutely he does but what he wants to do through his mercy and through his love and through his compassion is he wants to direct us back to the truth amen and you'll not have revival through some emotional experience will not have revival through human philosophy or the right kind of thinking or some kind of step program no listen We'll have right, the right kind of revival. We'll have heaven sent and divine revival when we get back to this book. Amen. Mercy and truth, they're met together. The principles of revival are found in the Word of God. Amen. He said in verse number 11, he said, Truth shall spring out of the earth. 
and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Amen. We not only find the principles of revival, but we find this. We find the prosperity of revival. The prosperity of revival. Verse number 11, he said, Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Verse number 12, Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good. Amen. And our land shall yield her increase. Now listen, first we talked about the principles of revival, but then there's something I want to show you. It's the prosperity of revival. Now I want to stop right here and say this. I am not talking about a prosperity gospel. I'm not even saying this. If you live for God, you'll be rich. If you live for God, you'll have a full bank account. Because there's a whole lot of people that live for God, and they ain't never had a full bank account. There's a whole lot of people that live for God and they live from check to check or they lived on some kind of fixed income or something like that, but they're richer than anybody else, amen, because they've got the Lord, amen. And they may not be prosperous with monetary things, but they're prosperous with the spiritual things in life, amen. And there's prosperity when it comes to revival. He said, yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, amen. Hey, when you walk with the Lord every day, God's not just going to span out a great big measure and say "All right, here you go but what what God wants to do when we walk with Him day by day He wants to give us enough just to take the next step Amen. He wants to provide for us and give us the light that's in front of us and He wants us to walk with that in disobedience and then once we obey that light and we obey that information that God has given us He smiles upon our obedience and he gives us more light and we obey that and then he gives us more light amen you say preacher I want to grow as a Christian here's what you need to do here's what I want to tell you and you look to the word of God Jesus gave us this principle in his parables he said this he said whatever light is given if man will operate in that light Jesus will take that same amount of light and he'll give it to you again amen Say, preacher, I want to grow as a Christian. How much light do you have right now? What information do you have right now? Here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to take that information that you have, that you know comes from the the Bible, and walk in that and apply that to your life. And when you do that, guess what will happen? It's amazing. God will give you more light. Amen. And you'll grow and you'll expand and you'll begin to prosper in your heart and in your spirit. Amen. Because you're walking in obedience to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Listen, revival is not just about a feeling. Revival is not just, well, we came to the house of God, everybody shouted, and we went home. No, revival is this. It's simply this. I said it at the beginning of the message. It's falling in love with Jesus Christ all over again. And listen, when we have a meeting and we come to church and we shout and we cry and all that stuff and we see the emotional evidences of what we would call revival, that's fine. That's okay. I'm for all that. But really, biblical revival is a lasting revival. You ever met people, and I'm not picking on anybody, but you ever met people where they come and they just cannot seem to stick? They come, they'll pray, they'll, you know, they'll weep these tears, they'll get up, they'll testify about how good God is and how He's touched their life. And it's a different road from here on out. And then they go right back out and they get in the same mess that they're in. 
Then they come back, you know, they'll stay out for three months. They'll come back for six months, stay out for another six, come back for another three, and they flip-flop, flip-flop. Listen, that is not God's will for our life, amen. God's will is that we walk consistently with the Lord. You say, preacher, we have to be perfect. Not at all. I'm not talking about messing up. I'm not talking about, a, you know, a misstep or a slip here and there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about walking with the Lord in consistency. Amen. And having prosperity in your spirit and prosperity in your heart. He said in verse number 12, he said, Yea, the Lord <clears throat> shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. I want to ask you something. Is the Christian life that you live a fruitful one? Is the life that I'm living producing fruit for the honor and glory of God? Because if it's not, something's wrong somewhere. Amen. I want to be a fruitful Christian. I want to live my life in a way where people come to Christ. I want to live my life in a way where God is pleased. I want to live my life in a way where righteousness and sanctification are are making progress in my life. I don't want to be the same Christian tomorrow that I am today. Amen. You got saved 20 years ago and you hadn't ever taken any steps for God. Shame on you. Amen. We ought to be, st- and, and I know people grow differently. I know sanctification is a different process for everybody. But you ought to not be the same as you were 5, 10, 20 years ago. Amen. There ought to be some progress in your heart and life. And we can say that, not being a smart aleck, but on the authority of the Word of God. Amen. When God saves us, He expects us to grow and to walk with Him. Amen. All right, we see the principles of revival, the prosperity of revival, but then we see the progress of revival. Look what verse number 13 has to say. The Bible says, Righteousness shall go before Him and shall set us in the way of His steps. Now, what is this talking about tonight? Well, much like every other psalm, this is what we call a messianic psalm. And in this psalm, we find messianic truth. You see what's happening, the progression in the verses. We've taken these and we've applied them to our life, but the interpretation of this is talking about the coming millennium. Amen. Do you see that in the Scripture? The Bible talks about truth springing out of the earth. That doesn't happen now. And then righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Amen. And then verse number 13, righteousness shall go before Him and shall set us in the way of His steps. You know what that's talking about tonight? That's talking about when Jesus Christ comes back and we see the salvation of Israel and he steps his feet down on the Mount of Olives he walks down through the Kidron Valley goes through the eastern gate and he sits down on the throne of David that is rightfully his and he'll rule this world with a rod of iron and righteousness will be amen what's popular you look around now and it's almost like you gotta look around to do right you know but when this millennium comes, well, you'll have, you ain't going to get by with doing bad. You won't get by with doing any sin. You won't get by with doing any evil. But verse number 13 says this, that righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. You know this tonight, the millennial reign is the only dispensation 
where the will of God is imposed upon this world. You know that? Right now we've got a choice. We can choose by His grace or we can choose to reject Him. But in the millennium, people's going to do right and they ain't going to have a choice whether they believe Him or not. You say, how is that possible? Jesus Christ walked this earth for about 33 and a half years is what most people say. And He did miracles. He performed signs. He performed wonders. And there was a crowd that saw that physically with their own eyes and they still rejected Him. So when he sets up in his kingdom, there'll be people born, there'll be people brought into this life and they'll see Jesus Christ physically ruling from the throne and they will purposely and willfully reject him as their king and as their savior, amen. But hey, the good glad news is this, is that righteousness is gonna go before the Lord. It'll set us in the way of his steps and we'll be there, amen. And it'll be a good glad day, thank God. And Jesus Christ will rule and reign this world, amen. And that throne of David is rightfully his. You say, but preacher, what's the point? How does that help me now? We just got good practice on it right now, amen. We can walk with Him. We can have revival in the day and hour in which we live. We can, we can practice righteousness in our own heart and in our own life. And thank God it will prepare us for a day coming where rewards will be given, amen. Our works will pass through the fire. I don't want wood, hay, and stubble, amen. Thank God, but I want some crowns to lay down at His feet, amen. Listen, we can have revival now. We can have revival in the day and hour in which we live. And like the psalmist in verse number 6, we ought to ask, we ought to say, Lord, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Amen. I want to walk with him, don't you? I want to walk with God. I want to walk with Jesus. I don't want to be guilty of the, of the same walk that I've got today. Five, ten, twenty years from now, if the Lord don't return yet, I want to grow and I want to be progressive and I want to be prosperous in my heart and I want to see fruit in my own walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We can have revival. You say, how can we have revival? Through the Word of God and through prayer. That's the only way it's going to come. Through the Bible and through prayer tonight. Amen. If we're willing to pay the price, if we'll pray and we'll get in this book, and we'll get hungry for God. I promise you this, He'll feed us tonight. Amen. He'll reward our labor, and He'll reward our desires, and He'll revive us again. Amen. Let's all stand together all over the Lord's house while they come with a song. <clears throat> our nation is in trouble. And sometimes when you preach stuff like this, it's like we're so ingrained with it that really we don't care. It's like there's progress just moving forward and it's not getting any better. And We ought to just not do anything about it. We can't do anything about it. What difference can I make? You make a greater difference than what you know. You can pray. You can seek God. You can have revival in your own heart. And you can go out of these four walls and you can influence somebody else for the honor and glory of God. You want revival tonight? You don't have to come because I'm asking you to come. I know I'm, this is a feeble attempt at trying to preach on revival.
But I want to tell you this. God said this. If we will, He will. If you'll get serious enough, if you'll want Him, if you'll pray, if you'll labor, He'll do something in our heart and our life. While these are coming, maybe you need to come. Do business with God.